Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Schmedeke. And today we are brought to you by Applewood Plumbing, Heating, and Electric. They are they have been serving Denver residents for over 50 years, and they are the proud sponsor of the Colorado Avalanche and this podcast. And on this edition of the podcast, we are talking about the 8-1 and one Denver Nuggets with Vinny Benedetto. Vinny, how are you? Doing well. I, I could go for uh, fewer 8-15 tip-offs on national television games, but... Uh, yeah, I slept in a bit today, so uh, <laughs> happy to be here now, and uh, I'll have a story coming tomorrow on uh, Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday, two guys who who stepped up and, and helped the Nuggets get to 8-1. and one. Well, you know, it's funny because I was just telling you about how I've been under the weather, and I kind of dozed off during the game last night, and I woke up and Justin Holiday was in, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, Justin Holiday's playing. So we, we can dive more into last night's very strange game. Big win. over. I mean, the Warriors didn't have Draymond, but... Nuggets didn't have Jamal Murray, and that's what we're going to talk about first is the Jamal Murray injury. You know, he's out at least a month, or probably to the end of the month at least. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you, this is probably, if this is going to happen, this is probably a perfect time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's important that the Nuggets, what we've seen from Reggie Jackson so far is, I mean, I don't think it's terribly surprising. I, I think I've maintained throughout uh, the preseason of this season that he was going to be a guy who really benefited from the full full preseason, full training camp, spent a ton of the summer here. So I think, you know, Reggie, last night was great for Reggie, um, but I think this stretch without Jamal, as unfortunate as it is for the Nuggets, it, it's a good opportunity to figure out what they've got in guys like Colin Gillespie and maybe even a Jalen Pickett here before um, they have to decide because I, I would imagine one of those guys would be better served playing in the G League, whichever one is not going to be in the rotation <clears throat> right now. Gillespie's the guy who's been in the rotation. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be great if the Nuggets could also get a look at Jalen Pickett here in the in the few weeks they're going to be without Jamal Murray and just see where he's at in a in a meaningful regular season NBA game. And you know, whichever guy is not going to be part of the rotation, I would expect to uh spend some time in Grand Rapids in the in the coming months. And I would think, and I'm I'm sure you kind of agree with this, they're not going to rush Jamal Murray back. No, but there is one complicating factor. If I, I, I think I know where you're going, but go my ahead. Tinfoil hat on a little bit. Um, you know, the as as part of trying to decrease guys taking time off or, or resting without significant injuries, the NBA instituted the the minimum games played to be an All NBA player, yeah. as we've discussed. Jamal Murray being an all NBA player this season allows him to be eligible for a supermax contract this off season. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if there's part of Jamal who's trying to, to maybe get back in a position to, to give him some wiggle room. So if he does need a game or two off later in the regular season, he could still be up for all NBA honors, but the nuggets, you know, Michael Malone, namely ha has been pretty adamant about the fact that they're not going to rush him especially considering it's one of those soft tissue injuries that that can linger or or become a recurring issue if if you don't let them fully heal. So, uh yeah, there is a little bit of intrigue in terms yeah. of which timeline uh we want to we want to operate on, but uh yeah, it's uh it's interesting. Something to to put a pin in, I guess. We can circle back in a month. You know, you and I have talked about this though. It's going to be tough for him to make all NBA. I mean, there are so many guards in the NBA. It you know, I don't know what what was he. I guess he he went out in the Bulls game, right? And he was averaging close to twenty points a game and like seven assists, right? Yeah, but he went out in like the first minute of the second quarter, so he had really played probably like 
maybe eight minutes to that point. And he, he finished that game, I think, with two points. So that kind of really tanked his averages because it's such a small sample size to work with to start the season. Yeah. Um, but like the assist numbers were were looking great. You know, Jamal is really acting like a true point guard, which is, you know, something new. But yeah, I mean, even if he was fully healthy for the entire season, I think it would have been uh, an uphill battle to be an all NBA guy just because there's only, you know, six real spots for guards. Uh, I think all-stars always been a more uh, reasonable expectation, but yeah, that, that even gets more difficult when you're missing most of the month of November. And there's no money tied to all-stars, right? There's no contract. No, like the super max is for all NBA guys, I believe. Right. I'm like 95% sure on that, but yeah, uh, I'm pretty the sure. The all-star would just be a nice feather in the cap, I think. But, you know, I, I sometimes think about him, and I remember, like, at the parade, he wore the champion Murray shirt. I I mean, I know he'd love to get a Supermax, I'm sure, wouldn't we all? But yeah. I feel like he cares more about the Nuggets defending their title than anything. Yeah, yeah, he's been one of those guys that... Um, he knows he plays with the best player in the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he knows, he, he understands that he is number two on his own team, but I think he also... Um, I think just the length of his ACL recovery provided a, a window or, I mean, this probably would have happened anyways, but there were so many other young guards. You think of like a Shea Gilgis Alexander who like, who went from, you know, young promising starter in the league to bona fide all NBA guy, like in that, in that season and a half that Jamal missed. And it feels like there's a group of young guards, um, you know, like even Donovan Mitchell right now, who, who's playing really well to start the season, but he's a guy who feel like it feels like he's considered in a in a different tier than Jamal because of the injury. And I think part of that has gotten to Jamal where he's wanted to prove, um, you know, last year throughout the playoffs, we heard it so many times that, you know, he he was out to prove that the bubble wasn't an anomaly, you know, and if the bubble isn't an anomaly, that puts him in a in rarefied air in terms of current NBA guards. And he went out and proved that again in the playoffs. So I think he, he does want to be considered in that crop of guards that are, that are in all NBA uh, contention. Um, but he, he, he is a guy who first and foremost cares about winning and, and understands his kind of piece in, in the Nuggets success. So he's been out for, well, two, most of three games. He was out for the Bulls game with the Nuggets one. Uh, the Nuggets have not lost without him. I mean, the Nuggets have one loss on the season. Uh, let's go back to the Pelicans game, though. They were down. Were they down twenty at some point in that game? Yes, that yeah. the biggest deficit was twenty. I think it was yeah, second quarter because the Pelicans just came out and yeah, seemingly made everything. So that was the uh, Julian Strother game. Uh, he decided his coming out party. Um, our boss Gonzaga grad Paul Klee was loving mm -hmm. that, I'm sure. Um, but you know, as the rookie goes, he played eight minutes last night, so we know how that goes. But what did you see from Strother? He's seen, he's not afraid. That's for sure. No. And you know, he's not, he's not a point guard, but no. Um, with in this Jamal Murray absence, we've seen it uh, in the Pelicans game and last night against the Warriors where the nuggets have done more where Aaron Gordon is almost acting as a point guard or initiating the offense at times. Obviously Nicole is going to do that a handful of times, but when they've really done, um when they've when they've gone that route with having you know the non-traditional point guard they like to surround them with shooters and, and julian's a guy who makes sense in that because he is and he's more than a shooter we saw you know the, the floater game he said that's the most the shot he's most confident in is his, is that floater um he, he obviously knocked down the threes but 
he feels he feels like a guy who could fit uh alongside Joker and and AG if they're if they're really kind of running the offense and, and the Nuggets want to surround them with shooters. It feels like he's a guy who who's capable of stepping up because you know a lot of the other reserves um the offense hasn't been great from no. the Christian Browns or the Peyton Watsons uh for much of this season. So um yeah I think Julian's show that he's a guy that if you need a, a shot in the arm and and they certainly did on Monday night, he's a guy who who's totally capable of coming in and being kind of a, a microwave scorer off the bench. I keep thinking that Pelicans team is going to be really good. And then they just kind of are not for stretches. I I don't really get it. Like they're, they're finally kind of healthy and they still like the Nuggets, they get the Nuggets have had trouble with them in the past. I remember us talking about that before the playoffs last year, where I was like, I don't want to play them in the playoffs. Um, But you know, on Monday night, they get that big lead and then they just can't hit a shot for long periods of time. And the Nuggets just took advantage and, you know, it was Strother that night. And then, so last night, the game against the Warriors, the 8-15 start, like we talked about at the beginning, um, it was, you know, all starters and double figures. I'm going to talk about Nicola's greatness in a, in a little bit. It's ridiculous. But Reggie Jackson, you know, without him on the bench now and in the starting lineup, I think people kind of forget how good Reggie Jackson was and can still mm-hmm. be. And I think he's, a, like you said earlier, like he's just become an important cog in this Nuggets team. Yeah, and I, I can't remember, maybe it was the – it was just a couple of postseasons ago where he was averaging like 15, 20 points for the Clippers in the playoffs. And it's just like, that didn't totally go away. I think, you know, he lost, you know, some minutes last year with the Clippers and ended up being a buyout guy, but yeah, he's, he's a lot better than a a lot of guys you find on the buyout market. And I, I wonder if um, one thing that I found interesting that he said last night, like the challenge for him or, or what kind of motivated him to come back to Denver was like, he wanted to prove that he could be he, like prove this to himself, that he could be an effective player in this kind of scheme. And it's like, it's a, the way the nuggets play is a far cry from just about every other team in the league. Like golden state is actually probably one of the more similar teams when you just account for the ball and body movement going on. Um, but I wouldn't say the Clippers are are one of those teams that, that play a similar style to the nuggets at all. So I think that was quite an adjustment for him and. I think, you know, he part of the the motivation for him this summer was proving that he could just come in and and, and work in this kind of system. And, and you know, so far he's been, I think, really, really impressive filling in for Jamal or, or just I mean, his role doesn't feel like it's changed a ton because he was coming in and playing with the starters when they would get Jamal out midway through the first yeah. quarter. And so it's like it's just like flipped where now he's getting his minutes with the starters earlier and then still coming in kind of anchoring uh, the bench because they've, they've had Colin Gillespie playing with the starters, but yeah, uh, Reggie's handled uh, the kind of the both units need something different from Reggie Jackson. And he, he's shown that he can do both those things. I, I want to touch on, I think I'm going to touch on all the starters with you because first of all, KCP's defense, my goodness, like he all, what did he hold Steph to yesterday? Six for 17. He's how many, I mean, how many games have you got in the defensive the, the chain at least, five or six of that wins. Michael Porter Jr. got it the one time. I remember that. And Aaron Gordon's gotten it once. But yeah, so uh, KCP has got to be at five or six. I mean, he has just been, he's the defensive anchor and, and he continues to prove his worth. But then, you know, the rest of the starters, you know, we don't need to worry about Michael Porter Jr.'s shot anymore. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. And Aaron Gordon just does Aaron Gordon stuff. You know, he had 14, 11 last night. He played good defense. Like, 
we've talked about this a hundred times, but I think it's still again worth mentioning. Even with Jamal Murray out there, that's a damn good starting five. Yeah, and they still fit together so well because, I mean, Nicole is capable of handling all of the get him the ball on offense and he'll point and nod at people and, yeah. you know, he'll he'll manufacture a good look, you know, eight or nine times out of ten. And so, like, it almost feels like it wouldn't be, like, terribly challenging for Reggie Jackson to step in and be like, you see it when Colin Gillespie's in the game too. Like Colin Gillespie's almost playing hot potato. Like yeah. Joker, pass me the ball. I, okay. Get it back to Joker yep. and let him, let him orchestrate things. So, yeah, I mean, we've heard it so many times. Reggie said it last night where it's like, if you're on the same wavelength with Nicole, if you understand what he wants from you, he makes it really easy. And, you know, I think we've seen that with, you know, it allows Kentavious Caldwell Pope to fully buy in and be the three and D guy. It allows, Michael Porter Jr. to be the spot up spot up shooter or or cutter. Like it just feels like as long as Nicole is out there and the guys around him know what to do, uh they're that that group's gonna be all right. So what do you think about this this bench? Like last night was the first night that the bench was kind of bad. They they, you know, they they didn't have it last night, but they also played that lineup where it was all five of the young guys. Um, do you think it's just that was just kind of a bad game and these guys just need to gel more and more? Yeah, and I it also kind of feels like Michael Malone, I think he was mostly talking about the starters when he said this, but in Jamal's absence, he doesn't want anyone trying to step up and take on too much of a bigger role saying, I, I can be the, I want to be the every night secondary dairy score that, that the Nuggets rely on Jamal to be. And it felt like some of the guys off the bench were trying to step up and, and take more ownership. You know, I, I'm like, I'm sure Julian Strother, he only took one shot last night, but I, I'm sure coming off a Monday's game, he wanted to go out there and say, this is repeatable. That wasn't, that wasn't, you know, a one-off. Um, and yeah, Christian Brown and Peyton Watson, I think have been really solid defensively, but offensively they're, I think they're kind of trying to figure out where, where they're able to be successful right now. Um, yeah. And my uh, Zeke Nashi story from yesterday was, was put in a tough spot in, in the, the second half of that game um with his six minutes (laughs) yeah yeah so yeah yesterday was uh the by far the the whole bench collectives I think worst showing or second worst showing of the season and uh you know that's why that's the reason Justin Holiday got those minutes because the young guys just you know in Michael Malone's eyes weren't weren't living up to their end of the bargain I really feel like uh Christian Brown and and Watson they need to develop their corner threes because they're open all the time and they just they're just out of hitting them and it, it, I think it's gotten to the point where where teams are challenging them to hit them. Yes. They're almost welcoming them to shoot that shot. Um, and yes, yeah, that's that's kind of been my thing with with Christian since last year. I mean, obviously, he was great in in the finals. Um, but I, I think people also kind of forget that he wasn't necessarily in the rotation in no. the Lakers series or towards the end of that Lakers series. So. Uh, you know, maybe the, the expectations are, are getting to Christian a bit and he feels like he needs to do a bit more than than what he should. Um, but but the defense, you know, for both those guys gives them a pretty high floor in terms of contributions most night. But if they could if they could each find one or two things offensively that they can really go to consistently, I think that'd be a, a big boost to this bench unit. All right, let's talk about Nikola Jokic because we have to and just his greatness in general. First, I wanted to go back. Like, I don't think we've talked since uh, Halloween when you asked him if he was going to dress up for Halloween. And there's yeah. just a quick no. 
I, I, I got what I expected there, but you know, it was the end of the press conference. I figured I'd take a shot. And then the next day we see that just about everybody else with the, in the Nuggets organization <laughs> dressed up, you know, in a range of costumes for, for their flight to Minnesota in retrospect, maybe that wasn't the best idea because yeah. uh, they did not, they did not appear very locked in that the following night. Um, but yeah, yeah, Joker's been on a, a on a run on the court and, and in his press conferences for sure. Well, I was going to say because then there was the night where he just answered the questions without them being asked. Yep. And then there was last night where he enjoyed. I, I'm sorry, I don't know the person's name from Altitude that fell down. Taylor, she's really one of the videographers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so all right, well, let's talk about him on the court though. You know, last night, 35 and 13, he took 25 shots, which is a ton for him especially in the regular season, one for eight from three. I don't know why he kept shooting those. But, you know, last night, Looney kind of beats him up, and, and it looked like he was getting frustrated. And I was actually listening to Altitude Radio this morning about how, like, I felt like the they felt like the rage tech was coming, like he was going to get the tech, and then he never did, and he kept himself cool. And I don't know if that's just another step in Nikola Jokic's greatness or what, but l- last night was a different game for him, and he still dominated. Yeah, and it's – we've we've gotten to the point where it's just like watching that game if i if i didn't have the box score next to me i'd be like okay this is like a c c plus nikola jokic right. game especially when you take into account the the late turnover and the missed free throws the one for eight from three i think it's just like a very average c kind of performance um, but when you're Nikola Jokic, C's get degrees and you put up 35 and 13 and like three steals and one block. And on to his to his credit, he had a really great defensive possession on Chris Paul, like on an yeah. island. Um, so a, as bad and maybe inefficient as he's as he was in the crunch time offensively, like to end up with 35 and 13, it's like. He he's, he breaks my basketball brain on a pretty regular occasion because it's like you think it's like oh this is a mediocre par for the course kind of game but then the numbers just stay otherwise. Well, and he missed those two free throws last night, which was shocking because he usually I mean that's that's him he's clutch he's been clutch mm-hmm. since he's got here, so that was kind of surprising. I've also noticed a lot, and I don't know if you see this when you're there. He is all about getting that inbound quick, that ball quick, and launching it down. I, I feel like this year it's even more than ever. Yeah, and I, it's one of those deals. Every time it happens, I think back to to the Suns incident in the playoffs with Matt Ishbia, mm-hmm. where he's trying to get the ball back, and yeah. people are always like, you know, flabbergasted that that would be something that he does on a routine basis. But you know, we've seen it throughout this season. He's always. He's always looking for any sliver of an advantage he can get. And whether that's restarting play early or, um, you know, sprinting past his guy in transition and, and just sealing him out for an open, open layup. Um, yeah. He'll, he'll take whatever's given to him. Yeah. So, you know, they're off the, what they play seven games in 10 days. Is that what it was? I think I heard that seven out. and 11 maybe. Yeah. But there were like, I think it, that stretch maybe started with a back-to-back and had another back-to-back cooked in there midway through and then um yeah come back yeah they finished it they played friday saturday monday wednesday to finish that that grueling stretch yeah so they don't play again until sunday in houston who's frisky houston's a little frisky i think they're four and four they just destroyed the lakers last night (laughs) um but 
it looks like it's a tough about six of the next seven, I think, are on the road. So this is going to be a definitely test there. And there were times last night where I was like, oh, you know who would help right now? Jamal Murray. <laughs> yeah. And I think there we got some more of those times coming where where you're going to miss having Jamal out there. But I think the best news for the Nuggets, you know, is an eight and one start is really pretty incredible, especially I would have been more in the camp where I wouldn't have been surprised if they're five and four right now. Yeah. Yeah. Coming off short off season. Um, you know, everyone talks about a championship hangover, but I think this team is, you know, outside of that game in the game in Minnesota and most of the first half against the Pelicans, this team has been really mature and professional in the way it's approached just about every game. Um, so to have, to be off to that start, you know, I think it, people are going to want to remember this eight and one start. If there are some, some losses on, you know, once the schedule gets a little bit more road heavy here while they're without Jamal, this eight and one start provided quite a nice cushion. Yeah. And so what, what have you, uh, do we have another in-season tournament game in that mix? I think it's the one home game is an in-season tournament. In-season game, tournament. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you like that blue court? <laughs> it was a lot to look at. There's uh, a lot on TV. <laughs> so I can imagine. But it was a different feel to that game. It did feel different. Like, and and I I think it was most noticeable at the end where the Nuggets were up. It felt like they were up 11, 12 points in the final minutes. And the Nuggets were taking shot clock violations while the Mavericks were hoisting up open, you know, hoisting up threes where it's just like, you know, uh, when you only play four group stage games, the first tiebreakers head to head, the second tiebreakers point differential, which is a whole new, a whole new thing for, you know, NBA people. It's a, it's a FIBA thing. It's one, you know, it's a tiebreaker in those kind of um, tournaments, but uh, yeah, I don't know if it's the trip to Vegas or the, the cash payouts to the, to the winning team, but it, it felt, it felt different, especially for a, for a, what was that early November, late October game. Yeah. Um, it felt different, and and you know, I mean, maybe maybe that'll change when it's Houston or something, because you know, I think a lot of people get excited for the Luca Joker matchups, or you know, just playing teams with two stars like that in general. But but there was a different feel feel to it. And, and sure. the next one is the Clippers, so there'll be plenty of juice for that one. I mean, yeah. when's the last time the Clippers beat the Nuggets? <laughs> it's been a while, right? They, yeah, I hope it's not game four of the bubble, but I don't remember. I don't, know. I don't think it's that far, but yeah, there's not not one coming to mind. Yeah, I just, I mean, I just remember that game. Oh God, Bones was still on the team when they were up by like fifty or whatever it was at Ball Arena. I I remember that one, and and I and I still just remember the game right after the Aaron Gordon trade before Jamal got hurt, where they just went to L.A. and destroyed them. Yeah, that that's a game that Malone revisits often when he he when it felt like, you know, championship expectations really became realistic. That's that, that Clippers game is one that, that gets revisited quite a bit. Yeah. And that's the one I always hear Zach Lowe talk about on his podcast too. He's always like, Oh, that was when I thought they were going to win the title that year, but they have a title. So anyway. All right. So Vinny, like you said, you're going to have a story coming up on Reggie Jackson and Justin holiday today, Mm -hmm. as well as coverage throughout the weekend before Sunday's game in Houston. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you check out Vinny's work and everybody's work over at denvergazette.com. And Vinny, we will catch up next week. Sounds good. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. 
make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.